Welcome to uh, Sacred Reading at Brandon High School, the Nowhere Girls podcast. I am Mrs. Huff, and with me today is... Mr. Thompson. So I got to a point in this book where I couldn't put it down, and even though we weren't there yet in the episode list, I just had to finish the book. Mm-hmm. And I was very satisfied. However, there are lots of points along the way that just hit me where if I hadn't been in public or on an airplane, I probably would have been crying. Uh, This being one of them, I wanted to talk about page 333. Uh, We're in an Aaron chapter and it says, that's when Aaron's mother walks through the front door with her arms full of groceries. In this moment, Aaron cannot reach the world outside herself, cannot hear the grocery bags fall to the floor cannot hear the cracks and splats of the eggshells, cannot hear her mother cry, what happened, what happened? In this moment, Erin is only vaguely aware of her mother's presence and she knows nothing of the world inside her, the locked up place where her mother is screaming too. Helpless, powerless, tortured by love as she kneels beside her, unable to reach her daughter and knows there's nothing she can do to help. She knows she cannot touch her, cannot wrap her in her arms and rock her the way her instincts demand. And Erin cannot even consider that comfort in this moment, cannot see outside her body's dense world of pain, cannot comprehend that there's anything in this world who wants to help her, that there's anyone in this world who can. So in the book, where does this sit? This is at the point when Erin has just been accosted in the hall. She was kind of hiding because she saw Otis, who she's decided that she likes talking to Amber. And it looked like Amber was flirting with him. And so she started to think that maybe Otis isn't a nice guy and maybe he isn't one of the better ones. And maybe he just wants Amber. And of course he would want her and you know, what Amber and not Aaron. And so she hides and is embarrassed and waits for the halls to clear and therefore gets accosted. Um, and a boy gropes her and says horrible things to her and she gets rescued but runs home and is kind of locked in herself and remembering everything with Casper who is uh, the boy who talks her into sex statutory rape when she was 13. So literally that's where we are. Allegorically, what connections do we have to this? in the news, in other books, in other places. Allegorically, um, in other places, we have you know, young women who are being uh, taken advantage of mm-hmm. by other, other people that, uh, and, and young women who don't know how to necessarily fight back. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in her case, Erin, with her being so locked into herself, it's difficult for her to navigate that um, based upon what mom is saying that she wants to help her, but she doesn't know how to break through. And Mm -hmm. there's trauma related, especially in a trauma related issue like this, it's very Mm -hmm. difficult for her to break through at that time. Yeah. I wonder, I connected in the news to the, the gymnastics scandal. Mm hmm. I watched that documentary recently on HBO and it talked about the girls talked about the fact that their team doctor was so insidious that 
while he was in the room with them for an exam with their parents, their parents were sitting on the other side of the room, he would find a way to touch them inappropriately without their parents noticing mm -hmm. so that the girls would think this was okay and normal. Mm -hmm. And so then they had no voice and didn't know who they could reach out to and didn't know that anyone cared, much like Aaron is saying here, they right. felt locked within themselves because they thought he was just doing what he was supposed to. Exactly. Yes, that is a stretch exercise for physical therapy for gymnasts. No, it's not. So in the news, that's the one that I see the parallel to. It's just horrifying. I, that's a good connection, and, and I didn't think about it. And that's very, it's, like you said, not having a voice, not having someone uh, to go to. Often teenagers don't, you know, in my capacity as an assistant principal, teenagers don't know how to handle certain things right uh they don't know how to who they can go to who they can trust they're concerned about retaliation mm -hmm. and um you know whether they did something wrong all those emotions especially at a young age yeah. is very difficult to do and those young girls that you just mentioned mm -hmm. they're 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 a part of something you know, i'm supposed this is supposed to be the greatest time of my life mm -hmm. so but this very horrifying, traumatic thing just happened to me. Now what? And it's like, yeah. what am I supposed to do here? And so, um, you know, I see that correlating with that mm -hmm. again. And, and for different reasons, young women have have are, are paralyzed and feel powerless. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Yes. Um, and then personal connections as well both to Aaron as well as to being a parent. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm the parent of a four-year-old. Mm -hmm. She's very, very verbal, mm -hmm. <laughs> but she's only four. And so her ability to explain things is not always there. Exactly. Uh, and I know on a much more minor level, like she, she hit a kid mm -hmm. and I asked her why. I, hitting is wrong, but I want to know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, he killed my ladybug friend. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is the ladybug friend real or imaginary? And we had to dig into this scenario. Exactly. And as it turns out, she was largely not using her voice and not saying, hey, I'm playing pretend right here. But And somebody kind of ran over her play space, but she didn't even tell them she was doing something there and just hauled off and hit someone. Mm -hmm. Not okay. Right. We deal with that. But we had to have a conversation on a level she could understand about if someone does do mm -hmm. something hurtful, what do you do? You say stop, you tell an adult, you, who can you tell, who can you trust? Um, from a parent, does this hit you? It does. My daughter is, has Asperger's or is, um, and it takes me back to her younger years when there was an incident on the bus where a young person was bothering with her and she retaliated, um, but she, like you just said, it was hard for her to explain what happened, and it took her brother and her cousins who were on the bus as well as other kids to say, no, that's not how that happened. The boy was doing this, and this is how she reacted, but the minute you started talking to her, she starts crying, mm -hmm. and quite often it's very hard to explain things to her from that perspective, you know, 
how you know she she often goes into herself or she can't explain herself was very difficult for her to use her words at times mm-hmm. to explain and what she might be feeling it may be very legit yeah what she might be feeling might be very emotional but what but it's hard for her to express herself sometimes based upon you know what's going on if she starts to feel intense or threatened or mm-hmm. feel like she's in trouble then the reaction you're going to get is not going to be very calm so you kind of have to get her in a space where she can have those conversations which is why her mother's more adept at talking <laughs> to her than i am because i'm a father so um, but her mother is more her mother's more adept at it and has been dealing with it mm-hmm. a lot more um having to deal with it kind of like aaron's mom mm-hmm. she's no, she knows what's going on. I'm not sure what the dad, you know, but Aaron's not mom. Not in this book. Not in this one, but Aaron's mom is very adept at knowing what's going on and being a part of support groups mm-hmm. and, you know, basically being able to talk in support groups. So it's kind of like my wife. She does, she tries to, you know, be a very much a part of support groups and the transition and the journey and the things that are going on with her. Matter of fact, she has her own blog that discusses her transition and the issues that she faces with a child with special needs. Yeah. So it sounds like your wife could absolutely relate as well to this. Absolutely. And the thing that I found most interesting with Erin as I read this is the fact that she says, you know, people see her as not having emotions or not understanding them. And she says, and that's not true. She feels too much of them. It's not that she doesn't, she doesn't always have the way to verbalize it. And she, when she feels too much, escapes, goes, shuts down, moves to the library, ticks, rubs her hands, something. Um, I think if we look at what happened to Aaron and lots of people who don't have a voice and who don't have words for what they're experiencing, my call to action might be to try to read more emotions rather than listen more to words. Or look at what's going on and then try to, you know, back up and try to say, okay, yeah. that approach is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like kind of with your daughter, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Let's hold on. You got to kind of get the whole the lay whole of the land and the whole picture because if you don't, you're going to misread something. And it's just mm-hmm. you simply thinking that they're acting out or being mm-hmm. disrespectful or being inappropriate. And that might not be the case. Right. They may be very appropriate. They just don't know how to express the appropriate, express it the appropriate way sure. or at the appropriate time. So it's just a matter of backing up, taking a real look at what's going on, and then proceeding from there. Yeah, I think if we see somebody in pain and in tears, and it, the first step is, how can I help? Can I offer you space? Can I offer you a hug? Can, and listen to what they say because mm-hmm. they may not want to be touched. Exactly. Um, depending upon what the trauma was. Exactly. But but we can all see somebody in pain. That exactly. that does look. We can we know what that looks like. And we want to immediately solve the problem and it's gonna take a little mm-hmm. effort in some cases and we just have to be very you know, we it's not gonna be an immediate, you know, mm-hmm. boom, we're gonna get it done. Sometimes it's gonna take some process and like you said, okay, you need a little space when you're ready to talk. Yeah. Then you can come to me. And I have to I have to appropriately figure out what's going on too, that you may not have the words or you may not want to talk to me or whatever it is. It may be too traumatic, right? Let's figure things out in a way that doesn't re-traumatize the person who's hurt. Exactly. So thank you for talking with me about this. I hope that we all try to 
help if we see someone in pain. If you see somebody in pain, let's stand up, let's help, let's be there in whatever capacity we can and practice our empathy this holiday season. Thank you. Thank you, man.